uh, we're going to continue on with today's message. And maybe this is just an illustration that I need to work off of. Because our thought is think bigger, think better, and think blessed. God is certainly bigger than anything that is always before us. Can I give you some good news? How many want some good news? On Wednesday morning, the election will be over. All right? (laughs) Praise God. And no matter who wins, God is in control. I give you some more good news. Some of you already know this, but I'm expecting my third grandbaby. All right? Come on, let's do this. I mean, if we're going to have babies, let's have them. And so uh, Morgan is expecting her second child, and so uh, we appreciate them. And they would be here this morning, but during the first message, I got a, at, right after I was done preaching in the first service, they let me know I had a water line break at my house. And so they were, they were with buckets of water making sure everything was okay. I've called. They're okay. It's not as bad as what it sounds. And so God is bigger than water line breaks, right? Okay. Now, for a moment, I was about ready to go, Pastor Matt, here's my notes. Have fun, all right? And so I uh, need to take care of the home front, but I'm here with you. And we are not going to let anything rattle us. We're going to stand before you and bring God's word. And it's a, it's a timely word, church. It is a timely, timely word. Today, think bigger, think better, and think blessed. Those of you that have been with me over these past few weeks, you understand that that which we put our mind upon, that's the direction that we're headed. And you have just... 100% over and over just given, you know, uh, acclamation of what God is doing in your lives and how he has just really stirred you. And I have no doubt God is stirring our church. God is stirring our families. God is setting us up to use us in a big way. When the pandemic passes, when the election passes, and as we continue to move forward, I can tell you Kawita Assembly is going to be on the front line of what God is wanting to do in our communities, and you're very much a part of that, and I thank you for that. Today, what I want to do for the next few moments is take you to Isaiah chapter number 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Now, this is a very familiar passage to those of you who are students of God's word. Many of you can quote some of these particular verses by heart because they speak so much to you. I want to take you to it. I'm not going to read all of it. I'm not going to read the first 11 verses, but here in a moment, we'll begin to read in verse number 12. I want to kind of set it up here, though. Isaiah chapter 40, that is the place in Isaiah's writing where he makes the transition from speaking a a prophetic word of judgment to now giving an answer to that. And the answer is salvation. The answer is hope. The answer is trusting in the Lord and turning back to him. And so from, from chapter 40 on, you see this message of hope that's been given to the people. Now, here in chapter 40, his prophetic word is speaking to the people of Judah. Very specifically, it is targeting them and because they're going to be under captivity in a few years. When he prophesies this, it's 150 years before they go into Babylonian captivity. And so 150 years will pass, they will go into Babylonian captivity, then 70 years will pass in that captivity. And this word is really specifically for that remnant of people who are going to be able to return from being exiled. They're going to go back to Jerusalem. They're going to rebuild the city. They're going to rebuild the temple. So this is a prophetic word that's given to them, but it's one of those prophetic words that continues to speak to every single believer today as we see the promises of God's word and the power of his word. Now, you will notice with me, it is a word of hope and a word of encouragement to the people because at this point, by the time they need this, they will have gone through much adversity. It's a word of promise. It's a word of power because they are going to be worn down. 
Now, they're going to be discouraged, and they're going to be weakened in every sense. We know that after 70 years of captivity, many of them dying in captivity and losing family members, I mean, they're very much going to be worn down in every sense. So in order to be able to rise up and to go back, return home, rebuild the city, rebuild the temple, we know that it seems like God is asking a lot of them. And so this word is specifically being spoken over them. Now, at a time when this is going to take place, the people probably felt what God was asking of them was a little bit impossible because they had went through battles. They have seen what Assyria has done to them, what the Babylonian Empire has done, the Persian Empire. They have gone through so much in their journey, and now here they are going to return home after all of this. Again, they're pretty weakened in their minds. So this is a powerful, powerful chapter to help them have a, a, a change of heart, a change of mind, for their thoughts to be not placed on all their circumstances and on, on the captivity and the big large task that was before them, but upon God and upon who he was. <clears throat> so when you begin to read this chapter, you will see in the first uh, 11 verses so much promise that is given to him. There is a word of comfort in verses 1 and 2, a word of stability in verses 3, 4, and 5, a word of truth that will be spoken over them that they will be able to walk in in verses 6, 7, and 8, a word of courage in verse number 9, and then you will see how the Lord will always pour into them and always be a nourishment to them. You see that in verses 10 and 11. We know that after we read that first passage that God would provide for their soul, their body, and their mind as he would lead them back home to rebuild their nation, to revive their nation, and, and he's really speaking into him. But that's where verse 12 comes in because they're going to have to have this mindset that is changed because they have to put it in the right place. They need to put it on upon God, upon who he is. When their trust is in the right place, they will be able to fulfill all that God is asking of them. If going home, rebuilding Jerusalem and the temple, if all of that was going to take place, they would need to have a renewed way of thinking. So this is where these verses kick in. And let's see what it says in verse number 12. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 12. says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span? Enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man show, uh, shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Verse 15. Behold the nations, they are like a drop from a bucket. And they are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are counted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with him? An idol? A craftsman cast it, and a goldsmith overlays it in gold and, 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 and cast it for a silver chain. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Verse 21. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? 
It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants. They are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princesses to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me? that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see. Who created all of these? He who brings out their hosts by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power and not one of them is missing. He's talking about the stars of the universe in which you and I can see. God put them in place God has a name for each of them. He knows every single one of them. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm pretty nerdy when I am watching certain stuff because I like to go to the Weather Channel when I'm finishing out my workout and I'm on the bike and I'm sitting there and I'll pull up the Weather Channel and all these little clips of all this cool stuff that's happened, you know, in creation and, and weather in the universe. So I think, what, recently we just landed on an asteroid that's headed this way. It's like 200 million light years away and we landed on it. God knows where that asteroid is. He knows the size of it. He knew it before we discovered it. He knew how it was traveling and how fast it was traveling. He knows that that is just one asteroid out of billions and billions and billions. While I was looking at that, my mind was just amazed. And as I, I kind of did a little bit of reading and a little bit of research after that on some certain things that I was seeing. And it is said, when you think about the sands of the seashore, when you think about every single grain of sand, that doesn't even touch how many stars there are in the universe. Now think about all of the grains of sand on the planet. I can't wrap my mind around that. I sat there for a minute and I was trying difficult just to think about all the sand that I've had in my vehicle when I went to the beach and all the sand I found in places that I didn't want to find in places. I mean, I was just thinking how there just sand can be everywhere and yet doesn't even touch how many stars are in the universe. And God created all of it. He knows every galaxy and how they move through the universe. He knows our universe. If you looked up last night, you saw the second full moon of October, which is a rare feat. It doesn't happen very often. They call it a blue moon, and it's close to Mars. And I was thinking, God, you already knew I was going here. So I was reading up on that. And I was like, I'm just so amazed of how you make everything work. And to think that there are still people who think two dust particles collided and all this happened. I mean, it is intricate in every single detail how life is formed, how space is created, how everything moves in its place just right because that's what God needs it to do. God is in control of all of that. Not only is he in control, he is the creator, meaning he understands how it all works and how it is supposed to work. That is the God who lives inside of us through the Holy Spirit. God the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, who saves us of our sins, who died on the cross and rose again, who sits on the right hand of God. He is there interceding on our behalf, and the Holy Spirit has been given to every single one of us who believe. That is the power of God living within you. And the God that Isaiah is prophesying about right here to the people is the God in which you and I, not only do we serve, not only do we worship, but church, he lives inside of you. 
If this God who has created all things and puts the starry host in their place, don't you know he knows every single intricate detail of who you are? Read Psalm 139. It'll tell you all about it. How God knows your very inmost being. He knows, his, he knows where you're at. He knows everything about you. He knows what's on your mind before you even speak it. This is the God in which we serve. So when I have this thought in mind, I step back and I ask the question, is there any question that there is nothing in life, no circumstance, no hurt, no disappointment, no brokenness, no failure, no sin, no addiction, no fear, no anxiety, no valley, no mountain, no barren wilderness, or anything that we can put our mind on, none of that is bigger than God. This pandemic that we continue to walk in, it, you've heard me say multiple times, and I will repeat that. God is bigger than all of this. He saw it before it was coming. He will lead us through. He will bring us out to a day of healing. God is in control. Amen? The election that brings so much turmoil and so much ugliness. Thank God that we can still vote. Thank God that we are a democratic nation where we, we have the ability to have a voice and to choose who our leaders will be. Thank God we have all that. But with all of the ugliness and the turmoil and the darkness surrounding us in the chaos, who knows if people are going to accept the vote? Who knows what it's going to look like in the weeks ahead? But in all of that, I'm going to trust God and I'm going to pray and I'm going to believe because my God is the creator of all things. And if he created the very planet on which we walk upon, that which we serve and live upon, I know that he can take care of anything that happens upon it. No matter what happens in our lives, that's where we have to go. Will we be bombarded with things upon our hearts and our minds that kind of shake us up a little bit? Absolutely. But does it shake up God? It does not. It does not surprise him. It doesn't worry him. Like, I promise you, he is not on the throne worried about how the election's going to turn out because he already knows the plan and the purpose in our lives. So that's where my trust will go, amen? That's who he is. Nothing is bigger. Nothing that we can think of compares to who he is. Sometimes we will have those moments where we kind of, we, we, go, we sit back a little bit. When we have those moments when we feel as though everything is going wrong, or maybe when you have that moment when you're backed into a corner, or maybe you have that moment when the world around you is crashing in. Maybe you have that moment when all the power just stops on a Sunday morning, you've got hundreds of people before you, and you've got to preach the word, and someone calls you and tells you you've got to leak at your house, and then you've had a pretty rough week with all the things that's been going on and dealing with families and dealing with just issues and all kinds of things. You know what? God is bigger than all of it. We have those moments where sometimes we just want to be like, okay, you know what, today I'm not going to leave my house. You know what, I don't even know if I'm going to step outside. Maybe the back porch, but not the front porch. Don't want anybody to see me. You have those moments where you just want to pull back, where you're just overwhelmed. Boy, can I tell you, that's when you just put your mind on that Isaiah chapter 40. That's when you put your mind on Psalm 139. That's when you put your mind on the truth that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's when you put your mind on greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. That's when you put your mind on God, your creator, who is able to do in you more than you ever could possibly imagine. That's where you put your mind. The scripture tells us God is greater than anything on earth, anything on heaven, and anything in all creation, even creation, all creation, that which we see and know, and that which we do not, because there is a whole lot of that. It constantly reveals his wisdom, his power, and his greatness. 
So church, when you are tempted to think that the world and all its problems are bigger than God, you remember the vastness of the God in which we serve, the God who loves us. Verse 15, I love that phrase, drop of the bucket. The nations are just a drop in the bucket. That lets you know that he's got a plan and a purpose for all that will unfold before us. He uses the terms grasshoppers. That lets us know how small we are compared to the God in which we serve. Now, if you ever feel unnoticed or if you ever feel your problem or circumstances unnoticed and you feel insignificant and you wonder if God really cares about you, again, I take you back to the thought, if he knows the stars and he put them in place, he knows every detail about you. So he knows your heart. This morning, some of you came in with some heaviness on you, and he knows that, and he knows what you need. Some of you came in, and you have things before you that you don't even realize, and he knows that, and he's preparing you right now for what it is is ahead of you. God cares about all the details of our lives. So I want you to know this morning, if you need God to move and to move mightily in your life, why not allow him to do it today and to renew your mind and renew your thoughts? Now let's continue reading in Isaiah. Let's go to verse 27 because he gives them that word of promise, of comfort and hope, and then he has to tell them who he is. There's importance in that. When you think about the original audience that is receiving this, a remnant of people who have been in captivity, and now they are to go back and rebuild the city of Jerusalem and the temple. You think about all that's before them. He knows that they need nourish, so he's done that. He knows they need to have their mind on how mighty and how powerful he is, so he's done that. And he continues speaking into their life in verse 27. He says, why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right hand is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint, and he does not grow weary, and his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases their strength. Even the youth, they shall faint. They will be weary. Young men, they will fall in exhaustion. But those who wait upon the Lord, they will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk, and they will not faint. We know that verse very well, but when you think about that original audience and how they needed it, because they were in a place where they were just overwhelmed. There was physical exhaustion, mental exhaustion, emo emotional exhaustion, and the people around them, they were just grown weary and tired. But God was saying, hey, I've given you who I am. Now, this God who's created all these things, he never, ever is surprised. He never grows tired. He never grows weary. He never needs to take a nap. He's never shaken. He's never, ever worried about what's happening in our lives, the small things, the big things, the gigantic things, even though people will spout off all types of false narratives, that does not negate the truth of who he is. So he's saying, my people, if you will trust me and look to me and who I am, I will help you to rise up before every single thing in your life. You will succeed. You will have my strength because you'll be walking in my power and walking in my wisdom. That's the God that I want to wake up to every morning. Amen. That's the God that I'm going to go to sleep with every single night. He's on my mind. He's with me throughout the night. He knows the breaths I take. He knows how much every single one of you like to snore. He knows everything about you, right? 
He knows everything and he is always with us. And the God who has created all that is before me, all that I know, all that I do not know, he lives inside of me through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you better believe it. Yes, this was a specific word to the remnant who would go back and rebuild Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. But it is a promise alive today through the relationship that we have with him through Christ that when we are at a place and our minds are weakened and we are spiritually exhausted and mentally exhausted and just maybe overload too much. Maybe there's things that's hit your family and you're thinking, I thought I would never, ever have to deal with this. God knows and God is with you and God will see you through it. I believe that with all my heart, amen. Are you with me on that? Now let's look at this. Let's consider this statement, the statement that you know very well. They who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. That's a timeless truth. To wait means to look upon him with expectation. To hope while you tarry. I was reading further into that this week. It even it gives you the sense of just rest for a moment. Have this expectation that God is going to take care of everything. In other words, don't try to do the Lord's work for him. Because when there's things happening all around us, maybe not all of us, but I tend to try to want to fix it. So I'll speak and I'll talk and I'll try to do everything possible to fix it. And the Lord at times is saying, Steve, just shh, be quiet a moment. Why don't you rest for a moment? Because I need to speak something into you and I need to take care of this. Have you ever been in that place in life where you got ahead of God or you were really dragging behind what God wants you to do in your life? Yeah, several of you are shaking your hand. In the first service, only one responded, and I thought, man, I cannot wait to get to the spiritual level of those in that service. All right, I told them that. They laughed with me too. Okay, sometimes I shouldn't say what I'm thinking. But anyway, there's those moments in the journey here, specifically for the people. They needed to think about where they had been, why they had gotten in that place, because their captivity was self-inflicted. The Lord wanted them to sit for a moment, change their way of thinking, change their mind. You got yourself in these places. But I, in my mercy and my grace, I'm going to bring you out. But before we get out of this, you've got to not be the ones who fix it. Allow me to fix it. Allow me to take care of it. Allow me to provide. Allow me to pour into your life. And you follow that. And if you'll trust me, there are seasons where you've just got to wait. You've got to have this expectation. You've got to rest. And if you'll do that, God will lead you through that. Because in that season, God is renewing your mind. Now, here's what I love about the word renew. The word renew carries the meaning to change for something better. In other words, to exchange. So think about it. Understanding the nature of God and embracing the follow-up promise here of renewal. This is something we can all embrace because as we are waiting upon him and allowing him to work in our lives, we are exchanging something that has been bad for something much better. So specifically here in Isaiah, they are exchanging weakness for strength. They are exchanging doubt for faith. They are exchanging fear for courage. We can go on. They are exchanging anxiety for peace. They are exchanging brokenness for healing. They are exchanging sadness for joy. They are exchanging all the defeat they have had. They're exchanging that for the victory that God is going to give them. 
in their lives. So that's what that scripture is telling us. As you wait upon the Lord, as you rest in him, as you trust in him, as you hope in him, as you have this expectation and this renewal of your mind taking place, all of that that's been holding you back, you're exchanging that for something much better, and that is the power and the strength and the wisdom of God. So when I read Isaiah 40 now and I quote that scripture, I want to understand that promise that I'm receiving, that is God at work within me. And he is allowing me to take those things that are negative in my life. He's allowing me to take that exhaustion, being overloaded, being overwhelmed, not knowing what to do, not knowing how to handle things, not knowing what direction to take. God is taking all of that and he says, you know what? Put your hope in me. Exchange all of that for now a future that I want to bless you with that I want to give to you. I believe this morning, specifically, I felt it all week, more so as I was wrapping this message up, that there would be many before me today that you need to, as a representation of what God is doing, you need to cry out to him. You say, okay, God, I am exchanging this, whatever that means for you, for something much better, and that is the promise that you have for me. Lord, I'm exchanging anything in me, anything in me that needs to be renewed, that needs to be changed, that needs to be better. Lord, I'm exchanging any of that, and I'm allowing you to work inside of me. Anything in my home, anything that's been difficult, anything that's been heavy, anything that's been really trying to destroy the family nucleus of who you are, God, I'm exchanging all that negativity for the promise in which you have for me and my family. I'm exchanging that which the enemies tried to destroy, and I'm exchanging it for the victory that I find in you. This was the word that the people needed. If they were going to come out of this captivity travel back to Jerusalem, rebuild their city, rebuild their homes, rebuild their place of worship, if they were going to be successful this time around. Because don't you know that some of them had in their minds like, who's around us? Who's watching? When's the next Assyria coming? When's the next Babylon coming? When's the next Persia coming? When's the next defeat coming? And they're thinking to them, there's just probably so much wrapped in their mind of, of just all that they've been through. And the Lord's asking them, exchange that now for the hope in the future that I want to give you. God wants to do incredible things. We hear it all the time. But it starts with us saying, okay, God, I'm going to allow that to happen I want a renewed mind. I want renewed strength. And I don't want it to be my own strength and my own wisdom. I want it to be yours. I can tell you, weeks like this week, many of you have them, when there is just a lot weighing on you. I stepped outside last night, and I looked up at that moon, and I looked up at Mars, and I looked at all the stars, and I just sat there for a moment. I said, God, you are truly amazing. I can't even find the right words. I, I stand here and can't even find the right words to describe how incredible and majestic and awesome that you are to me in my life. And to know that you know that I'm sitting here on my front sidewalk looking up to the heavens right now 
to know that you already knew what I was going to do before I walked outside, to know that you know what's on my heart, to know that you know what's on my mind, to know that, that you have everything in control that is before me, and that if I will just walk in that, Lord, please keep renewing my mind so I can walk with you every single step of the way. I get emotional, not out of sadness, but just overwhelmed. I get overwhelmed thinking about how God cares for us in the way that he does. And everything that he has on his side, which is everything, is for you. So when you think about this season of your life, and you're trying to put your mind on the words that I presented to you, think bigger and better and blessed, that comes when you understand how awesome God is in every way and that he is for you. As we get ready to pray, some scripture that comes to mind because I want to continue to build your mind. Jeremiah 32, 17. Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth. By your great power and by your outstretched arm, it goes on to say, nothing is too difficult for you. Think about where you're at right now. Nothing is too difficult for him. We know in the announcements of Jesus' birth, we heard in that praise that was given, nothing is impossible with God. Paul to the church of Ephesus, he prays a prayer over them. At the end of that prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, he says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we might ever ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory and the honor in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations in all of your lives forever and ever. Amen. Is God for you this morning? Absolutely. Does he know where you're at? Absolutely. Does he know every thought, right or wrong? Absolutely. If he can place that big, enormous, ball of burning gas in the sky and give it a name and give it its proper place in order? Can he speak to you and know you and know every part of what's happening in you right now? God wants to continue to move in your lives, church. He's stirring us. Yes, there's change. Our pastoral team, there's change. There's things happening in the church. 2020, right? How many times are we going to say 2020? What a year. But God is God. 2020 will come and go. So will 2021 and whatever until the Lord decides it's time to take his church home. I know I've already heard three times this morning, Lord Jesus, just come back today, all right? Amen. Anytime, Lord, right? Anytime. But until you do, our hope and our trust, our strength and our wisdom, our purpose his plans, all that he has before us. We just got to keep walking with him. I can't stand before you and tell you the journey's always going to be easy because the journey's not always going to be easy. It's not. But with God, I'll always be okay. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for my church family, for everyone, God, that's with us today. I know that your word has landed upon their hearts and I know your word will not return void. It will sprout up as long as we allow it to cultivate deep within our souls and who we are. 
So I pray, Father, this word, this word, be a word that is cultivated in the hearts and the minds of every single person. And that no matter what, they'll always know that you are on their side and you are bigger than anything we face. I praise you. I trust you. I love you in Jesus' name. With your heads bowed just for a moment, you're here today and you've not asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and your Savior. And today you realize this is your day. This is your moment. Jesus Christ, his love and his mercy and his grace is much more enormous than any sin, failure, mistake that we could ever have because of his blood that flowed from the cross of Calvary. You and I are forgiven. We are forgiven. We just have to believe and accept him into our life. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I would like to ask Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Would you lift your hand right where you're at because I want to pray with you, right where you're seated. This entire congregation is going to pray with you and pray over you. I'm ready for Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit, God, and all of who he is living inside of me. I want that. I desire that. And I want to give him my life. Who is here this morning? Needs to say, Pastor, I need a prayer. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Who else here this morning? Say, Pastor, I'm ready. I'm ready. Today's my day. We'll take just a moment. Thank you for praying. Thank you for waiting. Church family, as an encouragement to this individual who is accepting Christ, as always, will you just say this prayer with me? Mean it. Pray it. I know you're saved, but we're saying it as an encouragement for these that are accepting Christ. So say it with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe and I ask you to be my Lord, to be my Savior, to forgive me of all my sins, I accept you. Thank you for accepting me, for saving me, for changing me. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me, for I am a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give him a praise offering here this morning? Amen. Amen. I'm going to do something a little bit different that I've felt led to do just in the last 48 hours of preparing for today. And I wasn't sure what it was going to look like. I certainly don't want anything to ever be awkward. I want it to be led by God and led by the Holy Spirit. I really feel like this is a word that we all needed, but it is very specifically speaking to some individuals today that you need to know that God is bigger than that as which is before you. So in wanting to be proper, wanting to keep our social distancing and, and wanting to make sure I'm wise in that and, and not ever, you know, just acting in a, in, a, in a way of myself or foolishness, what I'd like to do is as we are just worshiping the Lord and as we're being dismissed, Pastor Ross and the team, they're going to pray over you. Here in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. And for anyone who would like to be prayed over for the circumstances going in their life, that God would just continue to move and renew you and just you can trust him that he is going to take care of your situation. I'm going to take just a piece of this, this Kleenex. And once you're done with it, you can certainly feel free to, to toss it when we're done. I'm just going to fold each one. And I might ask Kevin if he would help me maybe here to have some prepared. And, and I'm just going to anoint it with oil. There's no power 
in this Kleenex. There's no power in this oil. It's just a representation. And it's scripturally, the Bible tells us to anoint with oil. And I'm going to ask you to come up here and, and I'm just going to place it in your hands and I'm going to place my hands right there with you. And we're going to believe God together. And then we're just going to trust him with it. And then we're going to move to the next one. So there may be many, and if there's many, I'll stay as long as it takes. There may be few. I'm just going to trust God. I'm stepping out in faith right now, and I'm just going to trust God. But you know what's going on. God has known for a long time, and you're just trusting him. So I'm going to take this, I'm going to pray it, I'm going to hand this to you. You do with what you would like. You can disregard it. You can put it in your Bible for just a moment of remembering this day. But I'm believing, church. I don't just want to go through the motions every Sunday. I'm believing that the all-powerful God that we read about today in Isaiah 40 is on your side, and he's working on your behalf. So would you stand with me here this morning? Father, use this time. It is certainly yours. We walk in faith and we trust you. And I pray that God in this moment, that you'll just use this moment and may we give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' name.